Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Well, good evening, Ashlyn. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Hannah Baldwin. Brandon and I are the pastors here, and we're so glad that you joined us this evening. And I want to start with asking you this question. How many of you have experienced this, that when you get the drive to start something new, distractions start popping up? Yeah. Exactly, right? I mean, anytime I decide to do a sugar fast, like I walk into the local cup and I see that that ginger cookie right in front of me and I'm completely distracted. That sugar fast goes out the window. I'm consumed by that cookie and I just, you know, I, I just start eating it. I'm, I'm completely distracted. Or, or maybe you're a little bit, you have a stronger will than I do. I don't know. Maybe you're not as weak as I am. But how about when these little creatures start popping up in your life? And they come out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, you're completely distracted. Come on, I'm talking about children right now. How many of you have been distracted by children? If you are, there you go, thank you. Be honest. We've all been distracted by children. We, ju- we all just were, right? I mean, they were so cute. Anyways, um, I, can, I can't tell you how many times I've woken up early to get an exercise in so that my kids are sleeping while I'm working out. And you know what? That is the day that my children decide to wake up early too, right? And, you know, all of a sudden I have this human lying on my back while I'm doing a plank. And I think, you know, I wasn't planning on doing a weighted plank today, but that's now my current reality. We, there's the distractions, they pop up out of nowhere. They're, they're a part of our story. And I would say that we live in a distracted generation. Just think about it. We live in a distracted generation. We don't ever just watch TV. We watch TV, we scroll on our phone, we're sending texts, we're playing games, and we're supposed to be spending time with our families. We're a distracted generation. And we get, we get frustrated when we see other people are distracted, right? Like when we're driving and we... We see a distracted driver, they're, they're on their phone, they're texting, they're looking for music or d- directions, and we get frustrated with that, and so we say to our kids, kids, don't be a distracted driver. We act like we've never done this ourselves, but you know what? We are all guilty of being a distracted driver. Go ahead and put that slide up there right now. Come on, all of us that started driving in the 90s, this was our reality. We didn't have Siri telling us which way to go. We were reading MapQuest. We were following what MapQuest told us. And I know I'm uh, a little on the young side. I can remember some other people pulling out their cassette tapes, you know, putting those in. Anyways, (laughs) we are a distracted generation. But I don't think it's by chance that we're so distracted. Just think about it. We live in an age where there's so, so much digital access. There's, it's so easy to connect with other people, to influence and impact through, through all the technology that we have. And instead of using it for its full potential, we're completely distracted by it. And Scripture tells us that the enemy of our soul, the, the enemy to our calling and to our purpose, well, his aim is to kill, steal, and destroy. He's killing identity. He's stealing that purpose, and he's destroying calling. And I would charge you that if the enemy can't destroy you, well, then he'll distract you. 
In fact, that's your one thing to know today. If the enemy can't destroy you, he's going to distract you. And so you can go ahead and check out. That's the one thing you need to remember. That's the one thing you need to know. And if you do that, you'll only be proving the point that the enemy, can't, if he can't destroy you, he's just going to distract you. Well, we are in the middle of a series where we've been talking about this ordinary man that we see in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. And God does something extraordinary through this man. And here's what I know about you, that when God created you, he did so with such a plan and a purpose. You are not created by accident, no matter what your parents tell you. You're not created by accident. You're here for a purpose. And God put these these passions and talents within you so that you can make a difference in the world around you. And my prayer tonight is that this teaching inspires you, it encourage you, encourages you to keep going and to make a difference in the world around you. And like I said earlier, we've been looking at Nehemiah, his story, and if you're unfamiliar with Nehemiah, Nehemiah wasn't anything special. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a builder or a contractor. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to a king. He's a cupbearer to a king named Artaxerxes, and he, I want to take a moment just to share with you how he ended up in this place. See, hundreds of years before, uh, not hundreds, about a hundred years before, uh, an evil king named Nebuchadnezzar came in and he, with his people, and they took over Jerusalem. So the Babylonians, they came in and they ransacked Jerusalem. They, they destroyed the city. They burned the temple. I mean, they did horrible things. And then they carried all of the people off into exile. They were captives for the Babylonians. And then after about 70 years, some of those captives were released to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild it. And unfortunately, they didn't have a leader. They didn't have anyone that had a vision for what needed to happen. And so that plan never took off. Nothing ever came of that. And so years later, decades later, here we have Nehemiah. And he's serving a totally different kingdom. They, the Babylonians are gone. The Persians are in. He's serving a totally different kingdom. And he learns about what's happened to his homeland. And in this moment, Nehemiah experiences a heartache like he's never experienced before. God just broke his heart. He felt the weight of the reality of what was happening at home. That the city was vulnerable the city was exposed. There was no protection. And in this moment, Nehemiah spends a season of seeking the Lord. He allowed God's heart to break his heart. He sought the Lord. And after that time, after spending a season of seeking the Lord, then Nehemiah stood up to do something about it. So Nehemiah, he goes to the king, and the king gives him permission to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild it. And so that's what Nehemiah does. He goes back, and he, he casts vision to the people. He says, come on, let's rebuild our city. And as soon as they stood up to work, opposition came in. That's what we talked about last week. Opposition is in inevitable. Opposition is inevitable, and when you see opposition, it can look like so many different things. It can look like insults or attacks. It can look like uh, threats. It could be closed doors, but another form of opposition is a distraction, and Nehemiah, in his story, he faces distraction after distraction, 
And so today, I want to give you four lessons to follow as we, in the face of distractions, as we look at Nehemiah's story. And so we'll be looking at Nehemiah 6, if you want to turn there. And in this chapter, we see how Nehemiah weaves through all of these distractions. So let's start at Nehemiah 1. This is what he says. Read this with me. Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of the enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that there were no gaps remaining, though we still had to set up the doors and the gates. So Nehemiah and his team, they're almost done. And their enemies, they've been working really hard to keep them from finishing this. So his enemies are Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem. And all... Uh, and so Sambalot sends to Geshem, he says, Nehemiah tells us, Sambalot and Geshem sent a message to me asking me to meet them in the uh, villages of the plain of Ono. So Sambalot and Geshem, they see that they're almost done, and so they try to get Nehemiah to stop working. And they say, hey, come to the plain of Ono. And so I want to give you a quick tip right here. Whatever you do, never meet with your enemy in the plain of Ono. Don't ever meet with your enemy there. Come on, that's a dad joke right there. <laughs> hey. Anyways, you know what's interesting to me? If, when we think about this in our context, often our response would be, hey, my critic wants to meet with me. Well, this, this is a great opportunity for me to go influence them, for me to share where my, what my perspective is. Maybe I can change the, what they're seeing. And often when we have this perspective, we, we view it as an opportunity, but what God sees it as is as a distraction. He sees it as a distraction. We see the situation and we think, I can do something about this. I've got this. And God is saying, hey, this isn't your calling. You're being distracted from what I've called you to do. Nehemiah, he wasn't called to change the haters. He wasn't called to, to convince the critics that he was right. He was called to rebuild a wall. And so here's our first lesson of the night. Learn to say no. Learn to say no. If the enemy can't destroy you, well, he's going to distract you. So you have to learn how to say no. Nehemiah's story, the critics come and they ask him for a meeting again and again and again. Nehemiah had to learn how to say no. And the reason why he had to learn how to say no is because he couldn't stop his work. He had to stay faithful to what the Lord had called him to do. And I would submit to you that the most strategic thing that you could do is learn how to say no in the face of your distractions. To stay faithful to what God's called you to do. And so how do you say no? How do we we put it out there? How do we do this confidently? I'm going to show you how easy it could be to say no. Are you ready? No. No. That's all you got to do. You just say, no. Come on, try it with me. Let me hear it. One more time, a little bit louder. There you go. It's so easy. All you have to do is say no. Learn how to say no. Don't say maybe when you mean no. Don't say maybe when you mean no. You don't have to explain your no. Your no is enough. And here's why your no matters. Because when you say yes to your distraction, well, then you're saying no to something of greater importance. So when you say yes to work, when work keeps trumping, well, then you're saying no to your family. And when your kids' schedules, they they drive your time, well, then your marriage is over there on the sidelines. 
And when you have this I got a mentality, I, I got to go to this meeting, I've got to play this game, I've got I've to go to the valley of oh no. Like when you have this got a mentality, then you're sacrificing that I get to choose what I'm going to do. You get to choose if you're going to say yes or no. And I know I'm simplifying complicated things, but to be honest, the results are the same. When you say yes to a distraction, you're saying no to something of greater importance. And Jesus himself, he had to, he had to practice saying no. There's a story in Mark where Jesus is in this village, and he, I mean, he's surrounded by a crowd, and he's healing person after person after person, and then Jesus stops, and he pulls away, and he goes to pray, and then he leaves and goes to the next town. There were still people that needed his help. There's still people that needed healing. There's still people that needed freedom, but in this moment, Jesus said no to the pressing, and he followed where his heavenly father was leading, And maybe for some of you tonight, the most powerful thing that you could learn to do is to say no in the face of your distractions. Maybe that's the step that you need to take. And maybe you're thinking, Hannah, sometimes no is just harsh. Like, I I don't think it's that, like, it's not always an appropriate response. I get it. Like, if someone invites me over to dinner and my response is no, that's a little awkward, right? That's pretty awkward. So Brian and I have come up with this little prescript that we say every time that we're not able to do something with people. And I just want to share it with you. Just put it in your back pocket, save it for a rainy day, and it goes like this. Oh, I'm sorry, we're unavailable. Oh, I'm sorry, we're unavailable. You know, we have a family night uh, once a week, and without fail, we get invited to do something on our family night. And so we have this choice to make. Are we going to say uh, yes to the distraction, or are we going to say no? Yeah. Are we going to say yes to the distraction or say no to the more important thing? And so we... We don't explain when we have this invitation because, you know, oftentimes people will say, well, it's okay, all of you can come and hang out with us. And while that would be a lot of fun and people don't mean ill will about it, it's not the same as the Baldwin Five hanging out, right? Like it's not, we're not investing in those little relationships that God has given us. And so we just, we've started to say, oh, I'm sorry, we're unavailable. We don't explain it because we say it whether we have a meeting whether we have a soccer game, whether we have a small group at our house, whether it's our family night. All commitments are important, and all commitments get the same response. Oh, I'm sorry, we're unavailable. Sometimes we just have to learn how to say no, and sometimes it's uncomfortable, but I promise you, as you get more conditioned to it, it's easier as time goes along. So the first thing we do is we learn how to say no, and the second thing we do, let's look at Nehemiah's story is, Actually, I'm going to say this. So at the beginning of this chapter, we see over and over how Nehemiah is, he's asked to be distracted from his calling. He's asked to come to these meetings. And I want to encourage you right now that the enemy of your soul, he's not going to ask you just one time and check it off. He's not going to try to distract you just one time. He's going to do it again and again and again and again. And so Nehemiah's enemies come, and they try it one more time. And this is what uh, Sambalot does. He says, the fifth time... 
uh, Sambalot's servant comes and opens a letter with an open letter in his hand. And this is what it said. It says, there's a rumor. Oh, no, here we are. We're in middle school. There is a rumor going around, someone saying something bad about you. Sambalot says, there's a rumor going around among the surrounding nations. And Geshem tells me that it's true. So his credible source is his friend Geshem. That, that means it's super credible there. He says, uh, he says that it's true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. And that's why you're building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. So lesson number two, learn, identify rumors. Take time to identify the rumors. Don't let hearsay distract you. Don't let the whispers distract you from the call of your heavenly father. Come on, the enemy of your soul, he does whispers. He, he wants you to be distracted where you can't hear the voice of your heavenly father. And so I charge you tonight to, to silence the whispers. Learn to identify the whispers so that you can hear your vo the voice of your heavenly father. And there's two types of whispers to be aware of. And the first one is this, the whispers of others. The whispers of others, you know, the, the ones started by the haters and the critics and the doubters. Don't allow the whispers of others to distract you from the call of God. You know, one of my mentors said this to me one time. He said, Hannah, don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about what's true about you. Worry about what's true. Be, be faithful to live a life that's honoring to the Lord. Keep in step with his spirit where he's leading and guiding you. Stay on uh, mission with him. Don't be distracted by those critics. I want to encourage you right now, if you are in the middle of battling rumors where you've, people have been critical and they're saying words that are hurtful to you, Jesus himself experienced this in his, in his own story. There's this moment in Matthew where the religious leaders of the day, they're, they're talking about Jesus and they're saying that he's working with Satan. And that rumor couldn't have been anything further from the truth. And Jesus in this moment, he models to us how we can respond to the rumors. See, Jesus responds to the rumor with truth. He doesn't get in the middle of a, a fight with him. He doesn't, he doesn't get pulled down by them, he responds with truth and he keeps on working. He says, hey, if I am working for the devil, well, then this is a kingdom divided because I just cast some demons out of this person right here. He modeled what you and I can do in the face of rumors. And we can speak, we can speak truth to the rumor, but we, we don't have to get bogged down in the fight. We don't have to, we don't have to worry about what how we are perceived or if we're going to win the argument. We just got to focus on what's true and what's true about you. And Jesus also said, he said, you know, one day every person is going to have to give an account for every idle word that you speak. Every idle word. And so you can entrust those painful words to your heavenly father because they're going to have to talk to him about it. They're going to have to answer to him, just focus on what's true about you. Identify the rumors and the whispers of others. Here's the second kind of whisper to be aware of, and it's this. Uh, the whispers that are within. The whispers that are within. Sometimes the greatest distraction to our calling are the thoughts that come from our own mind. 
And I want to share with you a study that I read that was so freeing for me. Really, it gave me perspective on how my thoughts can lead and guide me. And here's the study right here. It says the average person has 60,000 thoughts a day. 60,000 thoughts. And out of those thoughts, 75% of them are negative. That's insane. 75% of them are negative. And 95% of that 75 are repetitive. Let that just sink in. So what we do is we, we hear something, and then we interject our own understanding of what we heard. So here's an example of that. Say Brandon says to me one day, hey, I like your shirt. Here's where my thoughts can go with that. Does he, <laughs> he says, <laughs> I, I say, does he not like my whole outfit? Like, does he not like my pants? What, what's wrong here? Are, are my pants unflattering? Do I, do I really need to do that sugar fast? Uh, are, my, are my shoes not okay? Like, why, what, what's going on here? Is my hair messed up? I, get, I guess Brandon doesn't think I'm pretty today. All from, hey, I like your shirt. Listen, our thoughts are our own worst enemy. They lead us into some crazy places. And I want you to lean in with me right now that if 75% of our thoughts are negative and 95% of those thoughts are repetitive, then your greatest distraction to your calling are your thoughts. They're your thoughts. And so for some of you today, the greatest thing that you could do is learn to lead your thoughts. In fact, scripture, it teaches us, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God because 75% of our thoughts are negative and 95% of our thoughts are repetitive. And Jesus taught us to when it comes to rumors, that we are to speak truth to them. And so when it comes to our thoughts, we need the Spirit of God leading and guiding us because he is a source of all truth. So we take our thoughts captive and we make them obedient to Christ. And for some of you today, your calling has been derailed by the whispers that are within your mind. And today is the day to silence those whispers, to identify those thoughts and make, take them captive and be led by the truth of Christ. And here's the truth. is that God does have a plan for you. And God does have a purpose for you. And you know what? You aren't defined by your past. In fact, Scripture says that God conforms all things for the good of those who have been called for the court according to his purposes. He's got a redemptive story that he's writing for you. You're not too messed up. You're not too far gone. You're, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be strong enough. You don't have to know how to do everything. Scripture tells us, it says, his power is made perfect in our weakness. So lean into your weakness and, lead, and allow him to be your strength. Take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Silence those whispers. Here's the next lesson when we look at Nehemiah's story. And lesson number two and number three are super connected. So here's the next lesson. Watch out for they. Watch out for the they's. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes people will come to you and they, they will say, hey, I was talking to someone and they said that they think you should do dot, 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 dot. Hey, I was talking to someone, and they said that they would stop coming if dot, 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 dot. Dot, dot. 
Take time to identify the they's. Watch out for them. Don't be led by an unidentified person. You see this in Nehemiah's story. Read this with me. Uh, he says, there's a rumor among the surrounding nations. Listen, Sambalot doesn't identify these nations. All he says is, there's a rumor going around, and my friend Geshem agrees. He, he says it's true. He doesn't identify who the source is, and so there's a they right there in front of us. They aren't identified. You don't know who they are, and so Nehemiah chooses not to be led by them, and I encourage you, don't be led by theys. When someone brings up a they in your life, here's a powerful question to ask them. Who are they? Who are they? Take time to figure out, investigate, because you don't want to be led by someone that's not worth following after. And you don't want to even be led by someone who may not even be real. Take time to investigate. Here's here's how this could play out. Say someone on the kids' team comes to me and says, hey, someone came and said that they think that we need to give kids a bag of candy every Sunday when they leave. And so my response will be, well, who's the they? I'm going to investigate. I'm going to find out. And when they say someone named Shepherd, immediately I'm like, hmm, that's my son. He's not going to pull one over on his mama, you know. So we take time to investigate. We ask because we could be led by someone that we don't want to be following after in the first place. So we, we want to take time to ask who the they's are. But here's a second type of they. We want to uh, watch out for the they's that are within our minds. The they's in our thoughts, because our thoughts lead us into some crazy places, right? A they should be a warning sign to you. And so ask yourself, did they really say that? Or has my thoughts led me to a place of untruth? Did Brandon say that I wasn't pretty? Or did he say that he liked my shirt? You see what I'm saying? We, we have to be thoughtful about where our thoughts are taking us. We have to be mindful, I should say, of where our thoughts are taking us. And maybe, maybe it starts with something that we see. We see our friend's life and we think, man, they have a great life. Their kids, they're just so good and they get everything they want. I mean, man, they don't have any problems. And the truth is, is they have so many problems, right? They have just as many problems as you do. So don't be led by they. So let's look at Nehemiah and see how he responds to the rumors and to the they influence. Here's what he says. He says, I replied, there's no truth at any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. You're making the whole thing up. Instead of letting the rumor and the power of they lead and guide him, Nehemiah spoke truth. He identified the lie, and he continues, and he says, they are just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could d- discourage us and keep us, and, uh, discourage us and stop the work. So I continue the work with an even greater determination. I love that. So I continue the work with an even greater determination. That's your lesson number four. Let opposition drive you to a greater determination. Let it drive you to a greater determination. I'm going to invite the band to come on up as we prepare to close. Listen, when opposition comes your way, don't let up. Don't give up. Give up. Keep pressing on. Don't get discouraged. Let that, that uh, opposition drive you to a greater determination. Listen, the enemy of your soul, he wants you to be idle. 
He doesn't want you doing anything that, that uh, excels your purpose, that it lets you make a difference in the world around you. He wants you sitting on your hands. So opposition is going to come. And distractions are going to keep showing up. And Nehemiah, he encountered opposition after opposition and distraction after distraction. And do you know what Nehemiah did? He didn't come off the wall. He kept working. He didn't allow his enemy to pull him down. He stayed on that ladder. Instead of being distracted and going to the the plains of, oh, no, Nehemiah sent a messenger. And this is what he said. He said, I sent a messenger to them saying, hey, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. Why should I stop the work and leave it and come to you? He said, hey, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. Hey, I'm doing a great work, and I can't be bothered by your opinion." Listen, I'm doing a great work, and your criticism is not going to knock me down. Hey, I'm doing a great work, and you cannot distract me. I'm not going to be distracted by you. He said, I'm doing what God has asked me to do. He has set my direction. He has determined my steps. I'm doing a great work, so I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to back off. I'm going to keep going towards the prize. I'm doing a great work. And maybe for some of you tonight that this is a word that needs to lead. You've been facing opposition after opposition, distraction after distraction, and God saying focus on the work. Focus on the calling. Don't give up. Come on. The Apostle Paul, he tells us, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We just need to keep our hands to the plow. We just need to keep going. we got to keep doing the great work. And when we keep our hands to the plow, and when we keep following after our Heavenly Father, we will see the faithfulness of God. Nehemiah, he didn't let up. He didn't back down, and he saw the faithfulness of his Heavenly Father. Read this with me. On October 2nd, the wall was finished, just 52 days after we had begun. So Nehemiah and the people, well, they finished their great work just 52 days after they had started. And I want you to notice right here that there's no great miracle from God. There's no talking donkey. There's no fire from heaven, no burning bush or the parting of the Red Seas. No, it's just an ordinary guy who allowed his heavenly father to break his heart, who started in a posture of prayer. And he saw God provide, and he saw God open the doors. He saw God unite a people, and he saw what happens when you follow faithfully after the Lord. Nehemiah, he tells us, When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized the work had been done with the help of our God. So who was the one that was glorified in the end? It was our God. Our God was the one who was glorified because he was the one who called for it. He was the one who provided for it. He was the one who opened the doors for it. He was, God was there at the beginning. God was there in the middle. He was there in the setbacks. He was there in the distractions. And God was there when it was completed. 
his faithfulness was led his faithfulness led and guided them i just want to encourage you wherever you are in your journey whether you're in the middle of following after where the lord is calling you just know that god's called you and he's equipped you and he has a plan and a purpose for you and when those haters come, you, you, you're not alone. You're not fighting alone. And when those critics start talking, well, that your Heavenly Father is fighting on behalf of you. And when the enemy tries to talk you down off of the wall, you just tell him, hey, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Would you stand with me this evening? For some of you tonight, you've been in this season where you've, you've been distracted. You've followed the whispers. You haven't said no to, to, to the distractions that are popping up. And tonight's the night where you're ready to get back in alignment with the calling that God has on your life. Or maybe you've been in the middle of following the Lord, and it's just been, it's just been a hard season where it's been distraction after distraction, and it's weighing down on you tonight. And I want to encourage you wherever you are. Your Heavenly Father sees you. He's with you. He's leading and guiding you. And so right where you are, I just want to invite you just to put your hand over your heart, just as a symbol of saying, God, I know you're going to care for me. God, I know you're going to empower me. God, I know that you have called me. You have a purpose for me. So would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we entrust our hearts to you. We entrust our lives to you. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you anoint your sons and daughters? Would they know that they are living a life uh, worthy of their calling? God, would they keep in step with your spirit? Would they follow after you? God, I pray right now against the enemy and his desire to kill, steal, and destroy. Lord, I pray that your voice would be the voice that's heard. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's just glorify our Heavenly Father right now. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.